0: All right. Yeah. This is so funny because the my first interviewee I had Geo on and he had his son. He was Aww. baby, he was, he was taking care of his son. And so now you're with your cat. So I love it. It seems to be a trend. It seems to be a trend. So folks just know here at the Tima show, we are uh, we practice work life balance, um, work life integration. Okay, you can take care, you can do all your your functions as a caretaker and still do a podcast with me. It's okay. Yes. It's A okay. And you're I'm leading the way as a pet mom to Celine. Listen, listen, listen! <laughs> I was just telling somebody that the when I got her when I got her for the breeder at the breeder they told me that the and she's looking at me she she sees that I'm talking about her. <laughs> um, the highest that she's supposed to weigh is 25 pounds. Wow, this this weighs more than 25 pounds. Wow, they, they messed around and gave me kujo They messed around and gave me kujo It's I don't know how big she's gonna get, cause her she's her, so adorable uh, though. She, she I think as long as she's good. healthy,
1: like you'll know. You know what I mean? I like I feel like I might be feeding um Langston too much, but I can tell, so I'm trying to slow it down. So yes,
0: yes. yes. Those, you those know, treats- black people, we love through our food. Listen, and I I've been watching those videos of. The pet mamas, the bougie pet mamas that f- feed them, that actually prepare their meals. So, listen, Celine doesn't only eat kibble. She eats chicken broth. She eats pumpkin puree. She eats grapefruit. I'm not grapefruit. Uh, blueberries is really good for her body. She eats mango, peanut butter, coconut oil, probiotics. She's a Haitian dog. She's a Haitian, but she's well she's a she well she's well taken care of. Okay. <laughs> she's a kept dog. She's a yes. kept dog. Clearly she's a kept dog in these streets because she eat it better than us. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, that was really a, f- a nice, fun intro. I think I'm I'm definitely gonna leave it as is because I love the personality, <laughs> I love the exchange so far. Mm-hmm. Um, welcome, Amicia, to the of Show. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on. Um, and let me just say this: I mean, you can go ahead into your spiel. Um, and listen, you're not new to this; you're true to this, so I know you know how to <laughs> show up and show out. But I think, um. When I don't even remember when we first met. Mm, But when I know that I've always known you. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. Like it's always feel like electric. Fireworks. Yes. Whenever we talk, yes. I mean, most notice- notably, we were at um those Women's History event. Yes. And it was phenomenal. The energy. Yes. I love that. You know, you could walk into a space and you own it. Um, and it's not um, it's not alarming. It it it's inviting for other women to take charge as well. And I um, recognize that because you carry that. Thank you. Thank you. Real recognize real, okay? Yes. <laughs> this is true. This mm-hmm. is true. Um you att- you attract the energy that you carry. Um mm-hmm. and so I, I'm excited. I'm elated to have you on. Um, I While I was waiting, I was on your website and reading your biography that's extensive. Um, I'm excited to dig in. I'm excited to share. Um, and how I usually start is digging in um, into sharing. Tell us, what was your earliest childhood memory? It could be either good or bad.
1: I honestly think my oldest childhood memory was being in my mom's room and on her dresser, she had like this slip of paper and it had my first name on it, Emesia, but the last name was different. It wasn't Parker, it was Franklin. And then Mm. underneath it was another person's first name, a woman's name, and then the name Franklin. And I remember I took the paper to my mom and I was like, my name is different, like what? why is my name different? And who is this other person? And that's when my mother was like, that's your mother. And that's how I found out that I was adopted.
0: Wow.
1: That's my earliest childhood memory.
0: Wow. Okay. So we just, we just gonna, we just gonna dive right (laughs) in. Just rolling in in the deep like (laughs) a (laughs) tail. Um, okay. So let's go there. Let's, let's, let's bring that up. Um, so what? With this newfound information, how did it impact your life? What did it do to your person? Was there any did you experience any change at all within um you and how you showed up? Um, tell me more about that.
1: I was about six because I remember my mother saying, "I'll tell you more when you're seven. And I remember by the time I was seven, I had already asked every question that I could ask, and I already knew a lot of the information. So to be six and to process something with the gravity of the people who you think are your family are actually not your family, you don't even have the tools or the capacity to adequately process that. Um, Charles Stanley, you know, big up the late, great Charles Stanley. All right, Pete. All oh, right. But I remember him in a sermon once saying that there's three things that everyone needs to feel. They need to feel like they're valuable. They need to feel like they're competent and they need to feel like they belong. And he said, if any of those one things is out of order, then the other two are going to automatically fall out of order as well. So Mm. in that moment, the messaging that I got was, I don't belong to this family. So where do I belong? Mm. And that actually started like a whole life journey of like community building. <clears throat> Only in retrospect, I see that that's what God set it up to do, you know, because yeah. like I said, when I come into a space, I want to cobble people together. That's my instinct because I've been doing that since I was a child. I had to cobble together my own family, you know, mm-hmm. um, but at the time it didn't feel like a wonderful, like thing that God was giving me. It just felt like, okay, why do all of my other friends know who their families are? And I don't know who mine are. And then it, you know, made me think about like, I don't look like anyone or, you know, mm-hmm. like I'm an artist, but nobody else here draws or just things like that. So yeah, I think that it, it forced an introspection in me as a child that definitely um, created this capacity within me. um. That I think a lot of other things that I've done well is directly a result of like writing or because I have no choice. I, I can't be surfaced at one dimension. Or I've been deep since I was like watching Gem. <laughs> but, it. It's like definitely now I'm appreciative of the process, but at the time it was like hot trash on a stick. Like zero out of five stars
0: would not Do recommend. Not recommend. Yes, would not recommend. Ghetto, 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 ghetto. <laughs> Um. Yeah, man, that was heavy. Thank you for sharing that. Um, um. I know it definitely adds, certainly adds color to your mm-hmm. experience and and the way that I've known you to show up. Um, I and I. You know, I I'm a big fan, a big fan of therapy and your own path to self-discovery. Listen, honey. Listen. My session is at four. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure we're gonna get out in time. We will. will. (laughs) Um, but and and if you since you are have been on this path of self discovery and therapy, um, You can correct me if I'm wrong, but I know that because of my own childhood traumatic experiences, Mm there have been areas where, and you kind of hinted towards it, where I had to grow up faster. Yes. Um, It was like arrested development, but also accelerated development as well. Yes, yes. Right. Because you don't get
1: arrested in
0: that you don't get to do
1: the things your peers are doing because you have a presence of mind that transcends kind of where your peers are. But right. then conversely, it is accelerated because it, it it forces you to understand very adult things, you know, like where do you belong in the world is a very adult thing to consider when you should be like thinking about Lunchables, you know. So, yeah, I totally right. agree with right. you.
0: Right. Um, and so how has that journey been? While, you know, you have your therapist navigating you through that experience of um, returning back to the art of play. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. your fine arts, Mm -hmm. your recent fine arts certification has played a major role in that. But, um, you know, I feel like you're kind of like myself where we push ourselves into roles or spaces where we feel like we... um, our development was arrested at. and Thank so for you. me that was that was in my teenage years. Yeah. but um, for, for you i don't know where where that would happen but you feel free to tell us but also what how significant has art been in your life mm. to the point where you wanted to even get your fine art certification.
1: Man, that's like i really feel like the holy spirit and you like y'all y'all big friends. Like y'all big not even like, acquaintances, y'all not associates, like y'all are big friends. Because Baby, we on was... the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Those are definitely Holy Spirit-led questions because even that flow. Um, so to answer your question, I didn't know where I belonged growing up until I was um placed in Pratt Institute. They had like a program for young people. So my mm-hmm. art teacher in second grade, miss Daniels told my mom like, no, I think like she can, she actually has something. It's not just like regular. I think maybe you should find a program for her. And my mother being an educator asked her where, and then Ms. Daniels told her like, Pratt. So I remember I walked in the classroom. And again, this is all happening in the same time. I'm like seven years old at this time. And I just remember seeing all these other little kids that were like drawing stuff and painting stuff. And I'm like, this is where I belong. So essentially, Mm. that was my first community. To be Mm. honest with you, though, because can I be very transparent? Yeah. We keep keep it a thousand here. Let's do it. That was my community from the time I was seven. I gave my life to the Lord when I was 16. So my Mm. church community is not my primary community. My artistic Mm. community is my primary community. So there's a lot of things that sometimes my church community can be like, Hostile or close minded about Mm -hmm. where, like, Mm -hmm. I just can't conform because I'm like free spirited, like my artist, you know what I mean? So, yeah, so to answer your question, that was like the first place that I belonged. So, that's what initially lit the match of like, okay, I have to pursue art was that that was the first time I really felt like I belonged somewhere. And then it gave me a sense, like, how he said that those things are sort of inextricably linked, where it's like. Your sense of belonging ties into your sense of value because once I realized, oh, I have a community of people who are also artists and they think that I'm good, even though I didn't think I was good at the time. So it's like, so then I am valuable. And then that tied into the competence because I was like, wait, there's something I can do. Even if I don't know who my relatives are, I don't know questions about who I am as a person, I at least know what I'm good at. And so that mm-hmm. actually formed like the nucleus of my self esteem. If I'm going to be completely honest with you, I love you know, that. because <laughs> that's when I realized, like, okay, I have something to contribute to the world. So world, maybe yeah. I shouldn't just be out here like making all types of mistakes and living crazy.
0: Listen, so yeah, vivi la
1: vida loca, child, baby. So the this was different. Really different. This is before social media. So we could really cut up because wasn't nobody going to see us. But hold on, wait a
0: minute now, because <laughs> there's this new sensation where everybody is unraveling about this pending, upcoming. Girl, the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the aunties are <laughs> up, up in a bunch like yes. all that um, they're, they filed the petition to sue this and it's like yes. a of, it's like people who are in prominent positions so yes. listen, you never know you never know, you know no, I didn't do nothing coming. when nobody was filming nothing so I think I'm alright you good okay I think I'm good too <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny, but I, I think, man, I I love what you said about and also recognizing the distinction that um your first community was the art community. Yeah. Um, and that oftentimes um our communities of faith can kind of um have some tension in that. Can you describe more about that tension? Um, and also, well, I'll pause on that. Tell me more about that tension and then I'll have some follow-up questions. Sure,
1: so I think one of the things that is so central to being an artist is having to embrace process. It is so important as an artist to embrace process because something will start out as a blank canvas, like some of these canvases are down here. Something will then progress to like, you know, a piece like the one that I'm working on here. So I don't know you can see. Love it. Thank you. So it's going to yeah. be like the third painting in the healing series. So this is that part of the healing journey where you feel like you're drowning. Yeah. So she's actually going to be underwater and, you know, she's going to have animals that represent different things about that part of the healing journey. But it's like, this is in process. This is not finished. So I think, So much of being an artist involves having a respect for process as being sacred because things do not just become overnight. Things have to, they take a while to become. Whereas conversely, I find very often in the Christian community, we're very judgmental of people while they're in process. Hmm. We expect everybody to just wake up and be exactly like Christ. Whereas the Bible talks about sanctification being what? A process.
0: Process, You know what I
1: mean? So I think a lot of times, like, the church community can be hostile towards different types of people, whereas, like, you don't know where any of those people are going to land. That person that's on the street right now selling their body for drugs might end up becoming a bishop because God can. Listen. I have, and I've seen it. If you've and- been to Brooklyn Tabernacle,
0: you don't heard some stories that made the hair stand up on the back. of I sure head. I sure have. Brooklyn Tabernacle was actually my first church community oh, when I gave beautiful. my life to Christ, and I, I was there for six, six, seven years of my life. Um, and so I've seen it all. I've heard the stories. I've heard the stories. Listen, I believe. I believe it to be true. Um, and also working with. Um, the the sexually, um, commercially sexually exploited oh, community. Um, there's been several of my girls that I used to work with who were like you said that perfect example, given mm-hmm. their bodies in exchange for money um, and selling their bodies, um, and who literally did a 360 and changed their life. Mm-hmm. Um, is it 360 or 180? I think it's 180. I think it's 180. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here trying to sound so into No, but, videos, no because
1: we... No, sometimes we be doing 360s because I become that oldie Missy quick if you come at me sideways on Sarara. So I will listen, do this. <laughs> listen, listen. You
0: want to say You want to touch them? <laughs> listen. Listen, the <laughs> these parents are retired, but they still work. <laughs> I love exactly. this. We talk. we were talking about something so deep. This is so hilarious. I love this. Um and so yes, I, I know I know that to be true. Um and I and I think um Jesus, I lost my train of thought. What were a we process. talking about? You were saying the that process. a lot of
1: those girls, you know, they went through a process. They through and, a process. And, and really quick to, to add, I feel like if our steps are ordered. Then that part of their process was necessary so you know someone saying oh well you shouldn't do this and this is wrong and this is sin and this is like to me it's like you might be squandering the thing that's gonna make that person optimally effective when they get to that point that they need to go into ministry because how can they speak to people who don't understand their experiences how can they like be free to then minister to a population of people unless they go through certain experiences themselves. So I think that's definitely where my church community, my artistic community are like kind of like conflicting is -hmm. because the artists are just like, be free. You'll land somewhere. This will be a finished painting at some Mm -hmm. point. It may not look like, you know, much right now, but it will be finished at some point. And the church community is like, no, you offended me. I don't like that you did this. I don't like that you did that. I won't use those pronouns. Whereas for me, I'm just like, if it's a part of someone's process of figuring out who they are, I respect that. Period. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that definitely puts me at odds with my church community though.
0: Mm, Okay. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I feel like this is, this is, and I did not know how this was going to end up, but I love it. I love it because we're in a space. So that's what I was going to say. Um, we are seeing the girls are coming to the Lord. God yes. is reclaiming God is his girls. Yes. Okay. Black China, we have Alexis sky. Um, there was another, there's a white girl, Whoa, Vicky. They're, oh, and they're wow. coming out and they're being outspoken and they're being intentional and again, um I think people you know I sometimes surf the comments and I see those kind of judgmental comments and yes. you know when it doesn't when they're, their version, current version of Christianity, doesn't look like the way that we pictured it for them to look like, or we expected for them to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say I'm so inspired by uh, yes. Black China, well, formerly known as Black China. She is now yes. known by Miss Angela White, honey. Yes. And I am so here for it. I think it's so beautiful.
1: Um, I, I think- agree a
0: million percent. And yeah. I was
1: going to say, I think what it is is like at base, Like the enemy isn't creative. He hasn't invented anything. All he does is use what God has already created and distort it. So most at the root of pretty much anything we consider to be sin is a desire that God gave us that the enemy has distorted in some way to make us feel like we can find it outside of his will. So Mm -hmm. if a woman is selling her body or being very promiscuous because she's looking for love, well, well, God gave her the desire to find love. She sure may it be is. going the wrong path to find it, but mm-hmm. at some point he's going to meet her and he's going to show her what real love feels like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So again, mm-hmm. process. Um, yeah. But I agree with you a million percent. The girls are coming home.
0: The girls are coming home and I'm mm-hmm. here for it. Um. So do you do you consider yourself to be a bridge between both communities? And if so, what does... um? conflict resolution look like Mm. in situations in circumstances where those things where the tension may arise and how have you personally dealt with that tension and in community
1: that's a deep question I don't think I've ever considered that um but to be honest with you I didn't wanna be a bridge. <laughs> I didn't wanna be a like bridge. bridge at all. I actually just wanted yeah. to um to go get my PhD after I finished my master's degree. And then God told me he wanted me to start this art thing. And I'm like, I had left that, you know, after my mom got sick, I stopped, you know, creating art. So I didn't think that I would do that now. I thought I would, again, be getting my PhD. Um, But I do feel like I, like as Christians period, we always have some responsibility of reconciliation. Because that's like the meta-narrative of scripture is reconciliation yeah. and redemption. Yes. Every single story in scripture involves that. So yeah. like you can't go wrong. it. At some point, you going to be there. You know what I mean? <laughs>
0: oh, but that's you what you're <laughs> making. Oh, the American master move here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Pop, pop, you can't. You can't. <laughs> I'm not doing this with you. <laughs> you can't. I'm sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Let me not interrupt. <laughs>
1: yes. Um, but honestly, I don't really know what like the perfect outpicturing of that reconciliation will look like. All I know is that right now, I have people in the Christian community who are angry because they think I'm not Christian enough. Because you know, I am actually respecting people's process, and then I have people in the artistic community who feel like I'm not, you know, open-minded or free enough because I do feel like, you know, there is a God, number one, he does have a plan for our lives. There is moral law. You know, I believe those things. And so for them, it's like, that kind of takes a little bit away from me as an artist. Um, but, I don't know, right now, it's just been like, let me give you a perfect example. I've never told anybody this story, like public.
0: Ooh, the team is show exclusive, I love it. Girl, so when I was getting my um,
1: fine art certification at Pratt, you know, I was in a class and I remember the professor was like, oh, we're gonna have a visiting artist come in next week. And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, cool, visiting artist, yay. I get to ask about like studio practice and stuff like that. So, you know, sis came in, you know, she um she came in with like pictures of her art because she does like performance art. Mm. So it's like her going places and interacting with people, and that's like her art. Um one of the one of the projects that she was working on was she would go to like an area where there were like a lot of men and have them actually like suck her breasts. Um yeah, that was <laughs> that's part of her art. So like <laughs>
0: I wasn't ready for that one. I wasn't ready for that one. So imagine me
1: on the Zoom, right? Because I'm on the Zoom. I'm in classes. I'm in class. So imagine I'm on the Zoom minding my ashy black business. And then she just starts showing all these pictures of these men doing this. And I'm like, yo, like, what is going on? And then it got worse. You know what I mean? She started talking about how the next project she was working on involved bringing people to like this it looked like a basement like almost like a dungeon but people were coming in and she had like mirrors that she put her menstrual blood on and people had to look into the mirror and tell her what they saw and that the project was all about understanding how we interpret things differently this is what she saying to the class because I have a background of of the occult and understanding the occult, I'm like, actually, no, this is called scrying. This is mirror magic. Mm. But you're bringing this to the classroom right now that I'm in. I'm going to be graded based on how I respond to you in this moment. You know what I mean? So it's like she starts talking about that. And then she's like, you know, and I have an interactive activity for all of us to do as a
0: class. Interactive? (laughs) Interactive. This. I hold was like, liking- hold on. <laughs> on. Interacting,
1: Because I don't like the way she has been interacting. so <laughs> I'm like, I'm not trying to interact with whatever you interact with. That's Maybe. exactly what I got saved from, is what you interacted with. Okay. So like I started, I was like, you know, what am I gonna do? Because everyone else in the class is like, oh, this is amazing. We're gonna do an activity. And I'm like, the whole devil is a liar. So I start praying, praying. You know how like you smile and you get quiet and you start yeah. really just praying heaven down? Yeah, yeah, yeah. praying in tongues
0: in your mind.
1: <laughs> in your mind. You can't say it all right, but you can, you can do it in your mind. Mm-hmm. And the next thing I knew, her screen went back to black like A.B. Whitehouse. Ain't he good? Won't Ain't he, he good? Won't he do it? Won't he will? We can still hear her, but whatever it is that she wanted to show us, that Zoom zoomed out. And I was like, <laughs> that is God. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the zoom done zoomed out baby yes, the yes. Zoom
1: has left the room because i was about to leave that class with seven demons
0: and oh, i just god. need you to understand
1: that god was like absolutely not no so, no yeah, there no are times where it completely conflicts but it's like oh. in that moment i didn't feel like my job was to tell the whole class no, no. she's trying to bring us into witchcraft
0: mm. you know like my
1: job was just to pray and yeah, then I set it up that like Clubhouse started right after that, mm-hmm. so like there were people in my class that I got to invite to Clubhouse. Yeah, so like we were able to keep a relationship, and because they saw the rooms that I was going into or the Christian stuff, I was able to minister that way without like being that judgmental person that's like, you know, everyone's going to hell. Mm-hmm. Whoever got saved, because they got told everybody's going to hell. Yeah, that so, is yeah.
0: so good. When I, this is, this is, I'm so happy that you shared this example. (laughs) I mean, although you definitely, you definitely turned it up a notch, sis. (laughs) But nevertheless, my God, I mean, and just to hear your process in the way that you, you know, and I believe, and this is me being therapist Fatima, my friend, my friend calls me a therapist all the time, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. I believe that a lot of Christians suffer from codependency and wanting to be a hero Mm. because I could see if you weren't the type of Christian in that space and there was a different type of Christian person in that space, Mm. I could have seen it going totally left. The fact that you knew to pause Mm-hmm. and not try to be a hero in the moment and rescue rescue you and your, your classmates from witchcraft. Yes. <laughs> allowed God to be the God that he is, to be sovereign mm-hmm. that he is, and take your position as an intercessor in that moment. Mm-hmm. Take the back seat. You allowed God to show up in that moment. Yeah, And he did what you couldn't do. I'm not. I'm not by that girl laptop.
1: I could not have shut her Zoom down like that. When I tell you that Zoom went out, I mean that Zoom went out like the (laughs) light. Like she was like, I'm outside. The Zoom was like, I'm inside. I'm inside. She never rediscovered that Zoom for the rest of the class. She was doing everything she could to bring that Zoom back. And the
0: Holy <laughs> Spirit was doing everything he could do to keep that Zoom down. You said, we're done here. Listen, you could pack. A- you know that meme? That meme said, pack up. It's time to pack up. You're ready to go. Pack your bags. It's time for you to go, sis. Yeah. You know here. Because again, you know, freedom. I respect everybody's freedom to do what
1: they want to do but you showed me your period blood and then talk about we about to do an activity. No, so you take it too far. you take it too far.
0: I can't do that. <laughs> Listen, I'll be upset at my own period, let alone yours. Right? right. I'm already fighting enough
1: demons. I don't need you to throw 17 demons on me at the end of this class because I want to draw pictures. Listen. No, ma'am. No. No.
0: I want to draw pictures. How did all of this happen? I love this. I love this. This is this is okay. Okay, I love this right now. So we we've discussed fine arts in the best way I know how. Um, yes, I would love to talk about another aspect of community, which is in my in my mind, um, sisterhood. I yeah. believe sisterhood is a very very important component of community. Um, My friends are like my family, like literally, um, like literally, Mm -hmm. literally. And I think that for those of us who, um, I can, let me use I statements, um, for Mm -hmm. me who experienced sexual abuse, um, my home became It it wasn't my safe place, right? It wasn't my haven. And so I gravitated towards my friends, my community, my outside community, my sisterhood. And I love them. I have some really great friendships. I've had friendships that expired, but I still enjoy the moments that took place, right? Can we just pause parenthetically
1: to reflect on that level of maturity? Because I feel the same way, where I feel like just because... Like, like life is about seasons. God mm-hmm. is a God of seasons. Yeah. There are people who are brought into your life in a specific season for a specific reason, and then the relationship continues, and then there's somewhere it doesn't continue. This idea that it has to be this hostile, you know, chaotic, I have to curse you out and throw something, right. Right. I hate that we're doing this. As a a community, I hate that we have glamorized pettiness. Yeah, pettiness is really immaturity and misery. Like I really despise it. Sadness.
0: Pettiness Mm -hmm. is sadness. Yes, yes. Sadness. If we get to root of it, not petty. Listen, listen. They're not. And I think you know you really have to understand not only seasons but also understand the circle of um, of proximity, right? Like mm. um, I can tell you the most times that I've gotten, I've experienced tension in my communities was when I misaligned someone or or um, misidentified someone's role mm. in my life, right? Mm. There've been many, there've been Ours. instances where, and, and God, you know, now I've got increased discernment in, Pausing and, and partnering with God and Him being the third party whenever I'm introduced to a new person, God, what type of relationship is this? Um, just because you immediately connect with someone, does that mean that that person is automatically a friend from Jump Street? Oh, that's so real, right? It may just be, in fact, someone that you're called to minister to. That's so
1: and real because
0: you because and and it may just depending on what moment or season that you're in, you could be so thirsty for connection. Right, that you form a trauma bond for someone that you were supposed to minister to,
1: it's the self awareness for me because <laughs> I think you really have to be self aware of your emotional needs to even know that that's happening, yeah, and so often we're not aware, yeah, right. So that's major. What you just said was major because I definitely have had some friendships that expired as well, and I just wish the best for those people. I'm so yeah. grateful that they were there for me in that season of my life. I'm grateful for the contribution they made, the person I became as a result of it. And mm-hmm. I know that I was reciprocal. So whether they acknowledge it or not, you know what I mean? I know God knows. You know, that's
0: important. They be forgetting. Sometimes they're
1: going to so because your feelings are hurt. So now I was a bad person. No, you know what I mean? If I was a bad person, we wouldn't have been friends for ten years.
0: Period. Period. Yeah, I
1: agree with you though, a million percent. I just wanted because I felt like that was a gem that you dropped, and I just wanted to make sure that we spotlighted that because there's a lot of people who believe that it is normal every time you disconnect from someone, you have to disrespect and dishonor them. It
0: absolutely is not. Absolutely not. Everything does not have to be beef. Yeah. It can just be, I'm growing, you're growing,
1: and we're growing in different directions that yeah. we outgrew each other, and that's yes.
0: it. Yes, you know? yes. Uh, speaking of growing, I think when I see you, I identify most with someone who is not only vibrant, but confident.
1: Um, tell me
0: about that confidence. How did it, what has been, what was your, when did you first um, come to be aware of the fullness of who you are?
1: Mm. That's a really, yo, your question gave different, different. It's like Oprah mixed with Michelle Obama mixed with like, you know, Jesus when he was asking people questions that he already knew the answers to. Your question gave different. It's, it's, it's good. It's good. I should have definitely, should have had a green drink before I did this uh interview because my brain is moving now. Oh time. my um, God. <laughs> <laughs> to answer your question, um, one of my other earliest childhood memories, I just telling my therapist this. Was my mom had actually purchased the World Book Encyclopedias. I have these one kids, of those. Now, these kids now. These kids now, they don't know. They don't know. They have no idea. Google who? Google listen. what you we know, were getting accurate information. We had to go to peer reviewed sources. Not Wikipedia. To okay. We wasn't on YouTube with somebody in their basement with a flag behind them. <laughs> who didn't finish the second grade trying to tell us something about history. We actually had to go to real sources. So when my mom got the encyclopedias, you remember they came in a huge box. It was like a box the size of your life. Like it was so big. And I was so young that I couldn't like lift the box. So like the living room is at one end of the apartment. My bedroom is at the other end of the apartment. And I just dragged it down like the hallway. And that's what I would do like every Saturday or every time I had like time off of school. I didn't want to go outside and play Coco Livio and all that stuff and sweat out my my perm. Because I had a perm at that time, you know. God has been good to us. Yes, has, has been good to a mighty long way. Because <laughs> that hard you. bang with the, um, with the rollers, girl, no. they're not going to know you. about that line that you had in the front of your bang with the rollers. So he's brought me a mighty long way. All of us, child. (laughs) Yes. I would drag those encyclopedias and I would just like absorb them. And I feel like when I was that age, I wasn't the popular girl. Like I wasn't the pretty girl. I was actually like the biggest girl in class. Like everyone made fun of me. I was getting into fights all the time because again, I had just yeah. found out that I was adopted. Yeah, I made the mistake of telling some friends, and then they're like seven years old. So they start telling other people, that's not how mama. Oh, so wow. now I get into an argument with somebody. That's why your mother didn't want you. Or that's why my mother didn't want me. Well, that's fighting words right now. Take take them earrings off. That's how one of the girls ended up in the garbage. I literally threw her in the garbage can. That's how another girl almost got (laughs) thrown out of the third story window. Um, It's a lot that happened to me at that time. (laughs) Amen. We've come a long way. We've come a long way. (laughs) He straightened out more than my bank.
0: Hallelujah.
1: Mm, mm. Um, So yeah. At that time, it was like, I wasn't finding community amongst my friends. So my confidence couldn't come from them because they were rejecting me. But I realized in retrospect that it's almost like not being the popular person allowed me to develop all these other things that would have been unpopular. Mm -hmm. Whereas a lot of the popular people, they were so consumed with remaining popular that they had to amputate any part of their personhood that did not align with popularity. So Mm. if you really like the color orange, but like nobody's wearing orange right now, like orange is just not in, you can't wear orange and remain popular. Mm. You know what I mean? So it was like they were so consumed and especially the pretty girls, they got placed on a tracking system where they were told that their contribution to the world was how they looked and how they made men feel. Yeah. But it's like a lot of my friends who were the pretty girls growing up, they ended up getting pregnant very young. They ended Mm -hmm. up with very bad outcomes. So I think for me, like having the freedom to develop the nerdy part of me, the art part of me, like by the time I then became pretty, whatever that's supposed to mean, I already had fortified my sense of self worth based on the Mm. things that don't change. So it's because of that that I believe that I'm confident because I can walk in a room and I'm not there because of like how people think that I look. I'm there because God placed me in that room because he has placed something on the inside of me that people yeah. in that room need. And I think as long as you lead with that, like it's hard to
0: really doubt yourself. Cause like, if he says you can do it, like, you gonna it's tell Consider it done in the name of Olivia, in the words of Olivia Pope, consider it done. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I struggle, again, transparency, because I keep it a thousand, yeah.
1: with his promises for me. Like, when he taught his promises, I'd be like, okay, I'm I'm kind of overhearing your promises sometimes, but I don't struggle with who he says I am.
0: Mm. That's something that I
1: don't struggle with. Yeah. So I think that's why I have that confidence. It's him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, speaking of I am's, um, I'm very big on affirmations right now. What are some affirmations that... You kind of repeat to yourself whenever you need a little pick-me-up or a reminder. Um, what are some I am statements that you have? That
1: is so good. I actually have like, oh, my cats fell asleep. Do you see them? You fell asleep. Um, but my affirmations are actually over there. I don't want to wake my cats up. Okay. Um, <laughs> but um, I have affirmations that basically, I wrote the ones that... Um, because ultimately, we all have lies that we believe about ourselves. Yeah. And a lot of those lies are based on things that people told us that stuck because they told us those things at a time where we were vulnerable and so we believed it. Some of those lies are things that are based on the pattern of what has actually happened. You know what I mean? And we don't talk about that in church, but yeah. sometimes bad things actually have happened that have led you. You know, again, that that trauma response. Right. 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 So it was like I identify what those well, what those lies are. I don't always believe that they're lies. Sometimes they feel true to me because they're things that I genuinely believe. But I bounce them off of my therapist, off of my friends who really love God. And they're able to tell me like, no, that's not true. So um, I find whatever the scripture is that combats that thing. So like, I'm trying to think of like an example that's in my affirmations now. I'm going to, I'm going to be completely transparent. I want to be a mom. I want to be a mom, but I'm doing this God's way. You know what I mean? So, I mean, I could have just fling it up and just cock it up and just, you know what I'm saying? I could have been had my baby by now. You know what I
0: mean? I'm trying to do this God's way. Listen, so. baby, that's a whole nother podcast, because Lord, Lord, what's going on, Lord? What's going on here? Hold on, wait a minute. You don't got me riled up, because I'm like, listen, apart from being a mom, I want you to have sex. Like, hello? Hello, God, do you see me?
1: Do you this is year you?
0: seven of my celibacy, and you know our
1: friend Janelle, right? Yes, yes. Janelle, when she was about to marry Warner, she was like, "I've been celibate seven years," and like a little part of me laughed at her because I was like, "Ha, seven years!" And I guess God was like, "Watch this." Watch this. <laughs> he's he said he's gonna send a block <laughs> on you.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Trying to do things his way because I could have been put on, you know, my lady saw boots and been under the sycamore tree. But I'm trying to do this his way. So obviously there's lots that help. So, mm-hmm. you know, one of my affirmation cards is like, you know, I haven't missed my opportunity to become a mom. Mm-hmm. And it has the verse where Sarah conceived, mm-hmm. you know, and it's mm-hmm. like the same power that rose Christ from the dead lives in me and can Amen. do this. So a lot of my affirmations are me combating what I believe with scripture, but do I read them?
0: Girl, I love that we're being so real right now because, (laughs) you know, it feels good, you know, it feels good to be in church and having the scriptures read to you, having it unpacked and hearing from someone else's perspective. But then once church service is over, it's time to eat. It's time for brunch. It's time for the Kiki. Key key. Yeah. Yes. Unpack and unravel it, right? <laughs> and so I've been really in a season of really <laughs> no of application.
1: Yes. No, that's so major. That is so major. Because and it's such a huge you know, part of learning. Because we can get so much information, but if we're not applying it, it's not even gonna stick. No, you're a hundred percent right about that.
0: No, it so doesn't nice. stick. And I'm like, yo, I had to give myself a power power the other day. Cause I'm like, how you been a Christian? How you been rocking with, with God for like how many years? You know, for you know, since 20, 2009 or I think I believe. Beautiful. And, yeah. And it, it's been quite a journey, to tell you the mm-hmm. truth. Yes. And then you still tussling over little baby things that baby Christians are supposed to be dealing with, right? <laughs> and, you know, and You know, yeah, it's really how we really
1: be shaded people who first come to Christ and call it up baby Christians. It's like, yo. And like when they first come, they are so on fire. Because when I first gave my mm-hmm. life to the Lord, I was Listen. so on fire. Who not Listen. reading their Bible? I'm reading my Bible every day. Listen. I'm trying to memorize every scripture. I'm Listen. trying to break every
0: chain like Tasha Cobbs. Listen, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't Mary Magdalene. <laughs> I was going out into the world. Occupying all the streets and making his work making his name known like literally I did those most spookiest things like mm-hmm. you know um, evangelizing on the train, following someone to a park and giving them my Bible that I had like it was wild. no, that's
1: so real. I gave my life to the Lord when I was sixteen and I was cutting high school to talk to Jehovah's Witnesses in the park. Wow Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door now. No, no, Ibla English. No,
0: habla English. Come run another time, like no, sis. You're right on that because I literally, you know, my name, my biological father is. um, He stems from the Ivory Coast, West Africa. He was also Muslim. Beautiful, and so And that's um, why you're like your bone structure, sis. Thank you. Like, thank it you. Is just giving. Thank you. Yes. Come on, don't get me started. Um. But my full name, um, and this is, you know, where I kind of empathize with you in um, Growing Up Misunderstood. Mm-hmm. You know, the question is like, oh, where you're from is never a one word answer. Yes. It's always uh, like I have to break it down. And so my full mm-hmm. name is Fatima Doso. And oh, that is a full blown yeah. Arabic name, right? Mm. Last name is african and so when I stepped into the Uber scene, when Uber first started getting popular and I had my my name on there, you know, we had, you know, I bless my Muslim brothers. I love you guys. I love you guys in Christ, but I'm an extroverted introvert. When I go to locations and I know that it's a social gathering. I I'm intend- not trying to be social on my way to the socialities. Let me be antisocial until I gotta be social. Listen, baby. And so once you get there, they know. They know your name is Fatima. Oh, it's a rap. You Muslim? Oh, you're not Muslim. Love? And it's like, I'm getting jumped. <laughs> I'm getting jumped. Every and you're like, time. yo,
1: you just supposed to take me to the Shake Shack. Yeah. I'm trying to shake down on the way to the Shake what's, Shack. What's going on?
0: What's going on? Yes. So now, my friends, when they get an Uber with me, they was like, Samantha? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yep. Samantha. Samantha.
1: <laughs> no, but it's real. He really does set us up like that. And what's crazy is when you're a baby Christian, like you just want to. So it's like we shade the baby Christians, but they really are the gift. Like that keeps they on giving. They
0: are. They're yes. the energizer of the church. They're the energizer. And I love it. I love it. My heart weeps. Listen, I weep at every baptism story. Every time I see yeah, someone give their life yeah, to the, at the altar, yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful thing because I, I reckon i I'm I'm always drawn back to the moment where the moments or the the time where I did not have acknowledgement of God in my life. Yes, and um, seeking of confidence, like God, knowing God was a big part of me gaining confidence. You know being Haitian back then, being big, um, you know. That's right, um, because you lost my weight. That's another thing, me and you. Like, we have we so to say yes, you man. know. Um, listen, I made the decision to have surgery in 2017, and mm-hmm. it's been a gr- beautiful journey of health and, and wellness. you cast it
1: off, and that is not common. A lot of people think that it's a magic bullet, and if you lose weight with surgery, it's because of the surgery. Like, people will, will present it like it's like, opposite diet and exercise well why can't you just do a diet and exercise no this is diet and exercise with an additional tool of portion control but you cannot lose weight without diet and exercise right people get surgery and they don't repair their relationship with food and they don't get their bodies moving and they gain that weight right on back right on
0: back right Mm -hmm. on back that is so true like even now um you know, the weight loss. And also, I once I got over the mindset shift, once I had that mm-hmm. mindset shift that this weight was a result of trauma, it never belonged to me. I never had the grace to carry this. You want me to run. Weight. You want me to run and wake up the cats. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. No. Because when I I distinctly remembered when I started gaining weight. Mm-hmm. I wasn't always heavy. I wasn't always mm-hmm. a human incinerator eating my cousin's food and all this stuff like that.
1: <laughs> it be, it I'm came not doing that with you. You <laughs> will not call yourself a human exterminator like a, like a incinerator. Killer. Like no, <laughs> it came as a result. what made you me. an exterminator. <laughs> Listen,
0: I wasn't exterminating anything. my brain, anything. I girl, my brain anything. was like, it's right. My brain was like, no, it's right. You said three. just like me with 360. Yeah, I did a complete three, like, I could I did a complete 360 no sis. You mean 180? Yeah. So yes. that's, that's how I became an exterminator. Was when you did the <laughs> 360. So we get together. Listen. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think, you know, when I when I pinpointed the root of my obesity. It was because I was suffocating my emotions because I did not know when we talk, when we talk about that arrest development, accelerated development, I did not know what to do with this new feeling. I had experienced Mm -hmm. something and and experienced something on multiple occasions, something very traumatic that I did not have language for, for, Mm -hmm. I didn't have words for. And so I gained weight because of that. And once that clicked Mm -hmm. for me, honey, sign me up. Yeah, no, you're Sign so me right. Up. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. And I've never, um, and, and you you are also so right about, you have to restore your relationship with food because in reality, as humans, we were always supposed to eat, like infants, we mm-hmm. were always supposed to eat five to six meals a day. We're mm-hmm. not supposed to be, my thing was, and I don't know what your journey would, what your experience with food was, but I used to eat one large meal a day Mm. and the rest of the time my body is starving itself right Mm. and so like listen the self-care journey has been a process and i'm here for it i i am here for it and um i think it goes hand in hand with um obedience to self you know when i think about the scripture i think about love your neighbor neighbor as yourself
1: but how if you don't love yourself and you know, God sunned me. How I ended up, it was a process of it. like me deciding that I needed to really finally lose weight, even though I was over 400 pounds. Like mm. looking in the mirror and and being over 400 pounds wasn't enough for me to know. Like being the the, the literal mucinex man was not enough for me to know. It actually took multiple you. things to happen for me to know. <laughs> but one of those things was, you know, I opened up my Bible. You know how sometimes like, you don't know where you're going to read. So mm. you just like, God... I'm gonna open up my Bible. Just show me what you need me to see. That's dangerous. Mm. I opened it right up to like I think it's Third John, uh, where it says, you know, beloved, I pray that you would be in you, you would be in good health, even as your soul prospers. And I was like, word. So you just this is how we talking to me on like a random weekday, like we just we just coming straight for my jugular. My job was arguing. I just argued with one of my friends who was telling me like, he was concerned that I needed to lose weight. And I'm just like, it's not your business. It's not your weight. So it was like to open that up and to see that I was like, wow, God. So like you taking everybody's side except mine, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, But yeah, I always say whom the Son sons is son indeed. And when he sons me like that, i was like dang like i really this is about stewardship this mm-hmm. is about stewardship. Ooh,
0: that's so good and that's when you so see good. it like
1: that then you you treat it differently because this isn't your body you you didn't give it to yourself even mm. your mommy and daddy you know bumping and uglies and whatever they did that didn't give you your body because they did that mad times and they didn't make you every time that they did that. You know oh, what I mean? Oh God, that's you so came good. because God gave you that body. He wanted you to be here. You have a purpose. And mm-hmm. if you are mismanaging that body in a way that is literally hindering your destiny and your purpose, you're going to be responsible for that. Mm-hmm. So that was a hard pill to swallow. I want to swallow that. I wanted to swallow butter pecan ice cream. That's Listen.
0: what I wanted to swallow. <laughs> but God, you are hilarious. <laughs> um, okay, so we are approaching the end of our time. My God, this sweeps so quickly, and I, I, I'm always amazed at these interviews because you never know which way it's going to go. Like I mm. surely did my research and all this stuff like that. And I had some themes I wanted to talk about, mm. but this has been so good to my soul. I pray that it has been the same for Absolutely. you Absolutely. Well. Um, so what is next? What is next for you? What is, where can we find you? Tell us, give us your spiel. Sure.
1: Um, but what's next for you right now is I'm actually completing a certification in trauma-informed art therapy. Um, so much of what we just talked about, like throughout this whole conversation, kind of goes back to trauma, yes, um, whether it's finding love in the wrong places, whether it's eating away your emotions, you know, whether it's feeling like you don't belong, and all of the ways that you know we try to deal with that that are unhealthy for us, so I just started figuring out more and more how my own traumas were impacting um how I was relating to the world outside of me. And how God had given me art as an outlet, you know, to be able to release. And so many of our schools now, um, the budget cuts, you know, they don't have arts programs anymore. Some of them don't even have gym anymore. Yeah. So it's like a lot of these kids, they're not given that release. And I know recently since the pandemic... The numbers are abysmal in terms of like math and ela scores. they have plummeted. It is lower than administrators have ever seen in modern history wow. because that time that those young um people spent at home alone it was it was really a lot of things happening but two major things were happening number one, a lot of them who were um not privileged to have all of the laptops and the you know what I mean yeah they fell behind naturally. And then there were a lot of other young people who were at home with people who were abusing them, people who were predators. You don't even have school to to escape to anymore. Yes, that's so safe it's a, a heightened um depression. You're seeing heightened numbers in anxiety, like it's like epidemic type numbers that you're seeing with anxiety and depression now with our young people. So social emotional learning is just so important right now. Yes, yes, it's a school that I've been um doing workshops at since 2014. And I did, I think I was there three times already this year. But between the last time, the third time, and the time before that, that I was there, one of their friends who is 15 years old got stabbed to death by a 13-year-old. And the 13-year-old who stabbed him is actually in the same class as, you know, Richard, who was taking pictures at the Women's History Month event? Yes, yes. His son is in the same class with the 13 year old, and his son had actually had a problem with him the year before. So it's just the grace of God that covers our children. You know what I mean? But a 13 year old actually killed the 15 year old, and then one of the teachers in the school committed suicide. So it's like, you're telling these kids, but your math grades aren't this, and your math grades aren't that. And this is just the stuff that everyone collectively is experiencing. This isn't the girl that just found out that she was pregnant by her uncle. This isn't the boy who just got initiated into the gang. So it's like you need to give young people a time to feel, to feel their emotions. I heard a a statement that I'll never forget, which is anger is only sadness that didn't have any place to go for a long time. So if you allow these kids to just be sad in a moment, emote. Get it out actually create something beautiful that they want to hang up and and continue looking at then that allows them to be healthier so that they can focus on math they can focus on all those other things but when you tell them no bottle it up because algebra is more important yeah they're going to stab somebody and not that all of them will but that there are going to be some outcomes that you're not going to want and it's going to be a direct result of the fact that you did not give them an opportunity to feel so when i went back into doing art again I thought I was just going to do art. When you, when God tell you to do stuff, you don't never know what it's going to be. You just be like, all right, I I guess I'm going to do this now. (laughs) But like, you know, to me, I'm like, why am I doing art when I was working with young people? And now it's kind of coming full circle where you're doing art so that you can build that credentialization so that now when you say, OK, I'm an art therapist, you're not showing people pictures of art you drew when you was you know, 17 years old. You have current things. You have mm-hmm. a current art practice. You have a current you know, online boutique. So that's what I'm working on now. And I just taught a, a workshop in the Bronx. Was mm-hmm. that the day before yesterday? Yeah, Tuesday. I just taught an art, art therapy workshop in the Bronx with two different classes.
0: And it was just amazing. I absolutely love doing that. Would you say that this is your most impactful work yet? Hmm.
1: Um, to be honest with you, anytime I'm in a classroom, it doesn't matter what I'm teaching. It definitely feels really impactful. But to be able to bring this aspect of who I am into it, the art part, it is like, it's more fulfilling when it gets mm-hmm. to the art because mm-hmm. I'm able to help other young people. It, we come full circle in the conversation where you were like, where did that confidence come from? Understanding what I was competent at. When you get to build that in a young person and you get to see those lights go off in their eyes, when they're able to Magic. say, wait, I'm really good at this. Like I can do this. Like maybe all the kids who think that I'm not cool or I'm not this, or I'm not that. Maybe they're wrong. Cause maybe there actually is something about me that is valuable, man. You just, that's just an amazing feeling. And when they're in, um, classrooms, honestly, when they're doing art, it's like, we just, we're we're very creative people. We are. <laughs> we're very creative. I, you know, I, wanna, I don't want to, I don't know this what man, the team this is <laughs> I want to try to keep it, you know, keep it, keep it uh, politically correct. I don't want the television to
0: show to get sued, but I'm just oh saying what I'm God. saying. Oh please, this is the safe space, bro. <laughs> this has surely been a time, okay? Mm-hmm. This has sure. I, I am so energized. I am so. um, I am literally so delighted that I've had this conversation. You know, I, I'm always intentional and holy spirit led when it comes to okay god who should be the next guest who and your name kept coming up it kept coming Mm. up for me i'm like listen let's just do this i'm (laughs) not not saying no anymore i'm not delaying no because seriously because if you you know uh, you could wait so long that you wait yourself into stagnation and disobedience that's so real Yeah. And I've been like this whole podcast has been a journey, um, mainly disobedience because I'm on only only in my second episode where I really should have been further along, but um, this is the right timing. I feel yes. like I feel so alive in this moment um, and more confident in this moment and more committed to, to say yes, like yes is my resolve. And yes. I think it's moments like these. It's moments like this because it couldn't have been any time before the last time we met because then you mm-hmm. wouldn't have came to mind. You know, it had to be mm-hmm. this design designated appointed time. And so, I just want to say thank you so much. Thank for you for agreeing to really come great, on the you gave show.
1: Mad flowers, but I want to give you your flowers back. The entire time you. that I have been connected to you, because I was connected to you before you lost weight. You know what I mean? And to see the whole journey, not only of your weight loss, because you didn't just shed that weight. You shed so many other weights with that. And the fact that you've been so transparent about that, you've been so transparent about your relationship with your father, your relationship with your family, about, you know, going through abuse. You just don't understand how there are people who are watching you who you will never meet but you have changed their lives just with your level of vulnerability and transparency. You have given them a reason to believe that there's something on the other side of this for them. So thank you for that. And I feel like that is why God platformed you with the podcast is because he wants to amplify that like all the more. So thank you for your yes.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, thank you guys for signing on and listening to the team of show. Please like, follow, subscribe, all that jazz and share it with a friend or two Um, and more to come. Bye. Bye.